Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. Okay, so today we have a special guest. We have Haley here to talk about how she learned to trim her own horse's hooves, and Chloe also trims her own horse's hooves. And so we're just going to kind of talk about some stuff related to hoof care and um, learning to trim yourself and things like that. So welcome to the podcast, Haley. Hi, thank y'all. I'm excited to be here. Yay. Okay, so I guess if we just want to go into it and get started, you guys can answer mostly because I don't know nearly as much about hooves as you guys do. But I guess the first question I have is, how did you learn to trim your own horse's hooves? And like, what made you decide to start doing that? And you guys can both answer if you want. Okay, um, I'll go first. As predominantly having no resources around my area, I live in a very rural area, and the people that do do trimming here are very old school, and if it, barefoot really isn't a thing here. All most of the working horses have shoes, and they... I never felt that they really did good with shoes. In my opinion, none of my horses have ever been shod, but the trimmers always trim the hooves in a setup trim to be shod. So that never seemed like it was a good idea, I guess, in my opinion, to trim them like that because you're setting them up for shoes not to be barefoot. So that was kind of the deal for me. Um, I also have technically one trusted uh, farrier. Well, I'm sorry, two, but he's retired now. Um, And the other one is really, really old. He's in his 70s, probably pushing 80 now. And he has health issues. So he really can't fight with horses if something goes wrong, you know, and There's not all the time you get the perfect, most cooperative horse at times. So they do have to use alternative methods and he will use them. And I understand it's for his safety as he is older and he really can't fight with them like a younger guy could. Um, So I understand that. So twitching, slapping with rasp, which that has happened with our horses before and everything. And personally, I didn't like the way that he treated them when we did take them there. So I always thought it was always better for me to do it, to try to do it, um, to learn to do it, because I understand the issues that my horses have with arthritis, leg injuries, um, old injuries, things like that, back problems, to understand them and be willing to be cooperative and work with them has seem to be working now um and I don't have nearly the amount of trouble uh as with loading them up and taking them somewhere they're being actually really good and it's kind of scary (laughs) but that's the reason why I'm doing it where I'm learning from that is a different um I'm choosing to stick with Pete Rainey Jamie Jackson Ida Hammer, um, 
listening to the Humble Hoof podcast uh, from Alicia Harloff. Um, there is a lot of resources that I use and I particularly like their style because they are choosing to use uh, natural principles and practices and you know they're focusing on barefoot this is the whole their whole trimming style instead of using shoes or something like that they're they're actually trimming the hoof to how it's supposed to be in in my opinion which I think is how they should be awesome yeah that's really cool I'm glad that you have been able to find a way that is more focused on barefoot because I think you're right that a lot of people are you know specifically trimming for shoes um Chloe what was your experience with learning honestly almost exactly the same (laughs) I use a lot of the same resources that Haley does I really like Pete Ramey a lot and I started for similar reasons too because with Phoenix and there's my dog (laughs) with Phoenix he used to kick out a lot when handling his back hooves I don't know if he really had much training prior to me with that kind of handling so it was reasonable he's also cow hocked so he likes to be held a certain way to be comfortable and I never had him trimmed professionally he was trimmed like right before I got him and then I just picked it up because I knew he had those issues But with Wonder, we went through two different farriers and they did the same thing where they were setting up for shoes and they would just trim like all of the hoof, like the frog would be like bare naked and then there was like no sole left over and it just didn't seem right to me because he's not wearing shoes so there's no reason to have a super flat trim and just cut off everything. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cool, okay. I guess into more of like a just simple question. Um, how long have you been trimming your own horse's hooves? Personally, me, um, I just started this about the time I started positive reinforcement of with trying to get into all this natural and different way of working with horses. So personally, I just started probably in 20, late 2018, early 2019. I think I started around the same time because I started when I got Phoenix, which has been like just under three years now. And I also started for similar reasons with positive reinforcement because I didn't like the handling that was happening with just a normal trimmer. Okay. And how often do you guys trim? Do you find that there's any difference that you've noticed with how often you have to trim when you're doing it yourself? Or is it about the same as the schedule that a farrier would typically use? Oh, no, it is much, much different. It's a lot easier, I find, on you and the horse if you can do about every, trim about every week to every two weeks is usually pretty good and I mean it's not a lot of growth to be taken off it's just a lot of maybe some rebalancing to just kind of generalize shaping and putting the bevel back on but to where if you was to last six to eight weeks you're taking off a huge chunk of hoof and they're taking off a huge chunk of frog and they're taking off just a lot of material that could stay And you'd be surprised at how much they can actually maintain and keep 
working with themselves and keeping it short and just how much and really how little you can do by just doing a little trim here and there. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I don't do quite as short of a trim cycle just because, I mean, I'm not here all the time and I do a lot outside of my horses, but I do like to do like probably three or four weeks, I think is a good time for my horses. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's really interesting because for me, when I had Coco, I would have her on like a really long trim cycle because I guess she was older and she had had laminitis. So that kind of um, damaged her hooves and they were growing very slow. So I would only have her trimmed once every like 10 to 12 weeks or so. And I got her onto a, you know, shorter schedule that was like six to eight weeks. And that seemed a little bit too short and they were trimming off a little too much. So I wonder if maybe it wasn't that that was too short of a time, but maybe they just were taking way too much off and they should have just taken a tiny bit off instead of doing that much. So that's really interesting. Um, I guess the next question would be, you guys have kind of talked about this, but what's your opinion on the shod versus barefoot debate? And do you think that there are some horses that just need shoes or do you think that any horse could go barefoot? Ooh, (laughs) I personally think, in my opinion, there are a place for shoes, but not metal. Um, preferably blue ones, uh, like the rubber shoes, the forma hoof, things like that, I think are more beneficial to horses than actual metal shoes. And, or if you want to go, I mean, there's a different type of metal shoes, but we'll just stick with metal shoes. Um, I think that it is not good for a lot of reasons. My big concern is, is that you're hammering a nail into the horse's hoop, which then they then rip back out of. Um, Pete Ramey is the only one that I have actually ever seen loosen the nail from the outside of the hoof wall, you know, by hammering it up and then removing it. And then other people just take and rip it out while they're out the holes and then they leave them open, which in any, I guess, if you think about it, is allowing bacteria and funguses to then grow. And I can't help but think that's how like white line issues happen with a lot of horses that are shod. And, and then there's a whole bunch of problems that I see with the way that they move, the shorter gates, the the not landing correctly, and then just the overall thought of having to land on metal at every step is, it's not very pleasing to me. I, I couldn't imagine doing it, so I wouldn't want my horses to have to do it. And I think some horses would be more beneficial by being barefoot or possibly even having a forma hoof application put on or even boots. Um, but I guess that just kind of depends on the person and their situation and their trimmer that is available and how good that he is in his field. I, I guess that's going to be my answer. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because what I see a lot of is just, I mean, people are going along with what the professional is going to say, and that's common across the board, not strictly with hooves. But yeah, I think I would agree that a glue-on or form a hoof or like a boot or something is probably a much better option. 
I think most horses, if not all, probably could go barefoot, but I think the owners can't. Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> it <laughs> seems to be very much uh, an image that if your horse isn't, you know, wearing shoes, then it's, I feel that it's kind of like the, the paper problem. If it doesn't have papers, then it's not good. If it doesn't have shoes, it's not good. When in reality that I see a lot of horses with shoes and especially the ones at work, their toes are extremely long. There's chips and cracks at the quarters. They have underrun heels. And I'm just like, I know y'all don't want to hear my opinion on this, but I think he could go barefoot. <laughs> but there, I have asked some of them, and the reason for keeping them with shoes is that they say that they put a lot of miles on them. But I find that the miles that a wild horse makes, you know, they make, they track miles a day on very hard terrain where technically a cowboy's horse down here loads from a soft pasture to into a trailer that has a wood floor and then loads out to work in pens all day that are yet again soft pasture or even dirt again and I'm like I think you could get away with barefoot I don't think y'all put too much wear on on the hooves but technically they're not mine and I don't know how much they get I'm sure they get ridden and worked probably daily but I can't make the the soft ground equal up to the hard ground that wild horses make in travel yeah I think a lot of the time when horses are shod they're not really doing a lot of work on hard ground from what I've seen, at least in my area. I mean, some people will put shoes on their horses if they do trails and stuff, but arguably even then they probably don't really need them. They just need to build up some of that uh, like callusing and stuff. Yeah, agreed. I completely agree. If I think if you have the opportunity and the setup in the pasture to make it to where they can have the various terrains of a little bit of soft ground, some hard ground, some little rocks and things so they can keep their hooves, you know, rolled and uh, beveled and keep that callusing of sole and everything on, on there. I think it works a lot better than, you know, just having them on soft ground and then decide that you're going to go take a trail ride and put them on a bunch of hard ground and then they come up lame halfway through the ride or they hit a rock and that's pretty much the end of it and it's got sewn bruise and you're dealing with an abscess for god knows how long <laughs> yeah for sure I think in that case if you can't provide an environment where they can be on tougher ground I mean it makes more sense to just get a hoof boot like you're not on a trail every single day they don't need shoes every single day yeah agreed I mean just like the the pasture quality here so y'all can kind of have an idea of what my horses go through <laughs> they have a various type of uh, dirt in their pasture. It's, it's all natural. We haven't done any work to it, um, except we have brought in some rocks and stuff for the driveway because we got like a half a mile driveway and it's very long and it's through the horse's pasture. So they have an opportunity to go through sand, mud. Uh, they have a spot to go over some rocks. Now they don't always choose to go over the rocks and I don't blame them. Then, but then they have really, really deep sand footing, like almost like an arena. 
And then they have another area where it is kind of more on the rocky side where it has a little bit of rocks on top, just like small ones, not not big ones, but small. And then they have, you know, parts of, you know, grass and things like that to where they can walk and travel on. And they have various paths to take in the pasture. They hardly ever walk throughout the pasture. They they more normally follow like their little trails that they have made of where they prefer to walk. And I find that interesting because <laughs> they all they all travel in their lines that you can see in the dirt and everything and into the grass everything. It's very interesting to see the the choice of ground they prefer. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that all makes a lot of sense. I think in my area, I see a lot of farriers who don't really know too much about barefoot, like you guys have mentioned. And so they'll just kind of recommend shoes as like a band-aid for when something's going on. Um, and then in my experience, that ended up making it a lot worse because Coco was pretty much a little bit sore on rocks and she was getting stone bruises and whatnot. And at that point, she just had a really poor diet and she um, just wasn't really in good health. And so of course her hooves weren't really looking great either. And so, you know, ideally I could have had a professional to tell me like, oh, you need to work on her diet first of all, and, you know, work on possibly exposing her to different types of terrain and whatnot and get her hooves stronger. But instead they were just like, put on shoes. So I put on shoes and pretty much the day after I had shoes put on her is when she had like a, her first really bad flare up of laminitis and she had had low grade laminitis before that as well. And nobody had told me. And I was like, you know, a fairly new horse owner who didn't really know what I was doing and was like kind of relying on professionals whom I trusted to like tell me. And they, they just didn't really have like the actual knowledge. It was just kind of like put the shoe on and that will fix it. So yeah, I definitely agree with what you guys said. And I think that's definitely a big issue of people just wanting to use shoes rather than fixing the actual problem when shoes aren't even gonna they're not even really a good band-aid at least in my experience they didn't even um, help at all even like in a superficial way so if you do I know neither of you like you know have clients you just turn your own horses but if you were working with someone else's horse and they we're having, you know, just in general, weak hooves and issues. You can specify like a specific issue if you want to discuss that. But like, what would you focus on in general to improve hooves if you see a horse that isn't, you know, th their hooves aren't in good shape? We talk about this a lot in like every episode, but I really think management and diet are the biggest components to most things with behavior and also with just general care. So for me personally, back on shoes but I see a lot of people that see like chipping or quarter cracks or flares and immediately they just go to shoeing when really a lot of the time diet and a turnout situation is the real problem. I find it a little frustrating here because people and I'm sure with most natural hoof care trimmers have found this very frustrating as well trying to get them to make it their idea that they need to change something that they don't want to change whether it's the horse's environment whether it's the hay because hay and hay dealers down here are just horrible to have to deal with and you know and then you only have a certain type of trimmer you know nobody here even varies from the thought of going 
to another uh, farrier school. Everybody goes to the Oklahoma school because it's the closest one to Texas. I mean, if you want to know if somebody's a farrier down here, they have it posted that they went to the Oklahoma shooting school. They just got out. They're, they're just this. So nobody, that is basically your end resource is to put your horse in shoes. That is, they don't have it set up down here where you can easily make it and make another option to have your horse barefoot. If you want them barefoot, you basically have to do it yourself. And the issues, you know, with that, I believe, you know, is just a lot of times management. And, you know, if your horse has thrush, you know, look at your environment, look at what you're feeding it. If you have cracks, quarter cracks, uh, toe cracks, chipping, look into the diet again, you know, look at what you're having, look at the, the terrain and the footing and what they're having to go through. Is it, is it what they need or is it just what they have? Well, they need this, but this is what they have. You know, I find, I get that too, because I'm like, they need so much more. And that's where I come in and I have to supplement it with trimming, try to trim once a week to twice a week to, and then with work, it's sometimes three weeks, but I try to stay on a one to two week thing because I, they don't have what they have. And I could only imagine having clients and telling them, well, I'm going to have to be back next week and the week after that. And then people would automatically drop you here because they would be expecting that every time you came, you'd be handing them a check when really that would be not feasible down here for most people. Even though for say my neighbor, she has a horse and she has probably about an acre to run on altogether. And she has her on various terrains. She feeds her just from what I've seen, no hay. But um, she does let her out in the yard a lot to eat on grass. And she gets, I think, triple crown is from what I've seen driving by and everything, the bags and everything, which isn't too bad of a feed. But it can be if it's the only source of, you know, nutrients that they have and can a lot of sugary grains can cause a lot of problems for horses. I noticed that the trimmer that she had out was a traditional horseshoer and was not a, a barefoot trimmer but she was getting her trimmed to stay barefoot and I just I wanted to ask her how it was and everything of the trimming and how her hooves look because I'm a bit of an, a nosy person and everything and she's pretty new to horses she's getting back into it I could tell she has the the mindset that she she wants to do good by her horse but then the resources that she has and what she has to work with down here are not in her favor yeah I think resources are a really big problem and a lot of people are just stuck on tradition they just want to do what everyone else tells them is right or whatever everyone else in the barn is doing and I think there's a lot of issues with people not asking more questions and just kind of taking the professional's word for it. And for me personally, I don't know how many of our farriers are actually certified or have gone to schooling or anything. The two that I had used had just learned from their parents. So like there's no true schooling in that. 
There's one I know of who seems like she's pretty smart and reliable, and she actually is a natural barefoot trimmer, but that's the only one I know of in my state. So I think resources are a really big concern, really all across the board for horses. Yeah, totally. And I think like people to some extent do rely on professionals to tell them, you know, what the right thing to do is because I mean, I, and I know all of us spend a lot of time learning about as much as we can related to horses and ideally every owner would do that, but there should be able to be some degree of trusting professionals and being able to rely on them. And so it's really unfortunate that a lot of these professionals don't have that knowledge because they're the ones who should be, you know, really knowledgeable on these topics and the information is out there for anybody. And so especially for people who are doing this as a career and are educated, hopefully we'll be able to see some improvement in, you know, what their, what their actual knowledge is. And hopefully they'll be able to start discussing like diet and the, you know, turnout and terrain situation and whatnot, instead of just slapping shoes on. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training.